3: Hey, hey, hey. How are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk computers and the internet and home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smartwatches, you know, the drill. Anything with a chip in it. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Outside that area, hey, that's okay, too. Use Skype or something like that. Skype out is... uh, Somebody emailed me and said, "You know, it's not free to use Skype." Well, it is if, if you've paid for. <laughs> I guess it's technically not free, the ability to call uh, phones from Skype. Uh, then you can just call eight 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 ask Leo, and that's toll free. Love to hear from you if you have a question, you want to talk about tech, something's bugging you, something you heard, you want to know more about wanna cry or wanna kiwi. We did a fun test. We have a show called uh, Know How where you learn how to do stuff. Uh, our host, uh, Father Robert Balassare, infected 36 computers with WannaCry. Now, wait a minute. No, they were our computers. Don't worry. He didn't go out there and just kind of infect the world. He took the – we we set up a little network, and um, I think it was actually 36 times. It probably wasn't 36 computers. We set up a little network, and and it was really interesting to watch WannaCry. This is, if you hadn't heard, the ransomware – That was just raging uh, all over the world a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty much done now. Uh, But it was pretty scary. And it's not the end of the uh, line for this stuff. And I'll explain that in a second. But uh, WannaCry infected some computers. Yeah, it really did its thing. It went out on the network, found other vulnerable computers. That was the scary thing on your internal network. Infected them, too. All of them unusable You know, unless you paid the ransom. Then there's a guy last week came up with something called WanaKey, which was then weaponized with Kiwi, That was the name of it. And it claimed that, well, we can fix the encrypted computer. It's based on a a separate Windows flaw. WannaCry was based on a Windows flaw that was discovered, we believe, by the NSA, the National (laughs) Security Agency. Uh, the spies and kept to themselves for some time, probably a few years with the uh, notion of using it against uh, uh, other countries' spies and bad guys, I guess, leaked out and uh, and that was the, that was the technique that let the ransomware go out over the network. The ransomware itself used Windows built-in encryption tech tool to make the encryption and that was where they made their their first mistake. <laughs> because it turned out there was a bug in the windows encryption tool I call it a bug Microsoft might not, but that left the keys so to understand I don't need to go in great depth but to understand how it works, you need to understand public key crypto but it involves factoring a really large number in a prime number in or actually I guess it's not a prime but into it's it's the it's the product of two primes. And uh, it turns out to be a very hard math problem to reverse engineer that if you have a giant number to figure out what the factors, if there are only, you know, a couple of them are. But Windows left those two in memory, <laughs> just lying around. And they would stay there unless, you know, for some reason you reused the memory or you rebooted the machine. So Wana Kiwi very cleverly said, oh, let's see if we can find these keys and did. If it finds even one it can easily break the encryption so but we tried it so father Robert tried it he broke he, he infected a bunch of machines and then tried Wana kiwi and he said only about a third of the time was it effective even without a reboot so that's that's you know just bef- don't get your hopes up in other words in fact a lot of people I think uh, spend money they go oh well they get ransomware on their system and they go oh I don't want to pay the bad guys let me see if there's something that can you know, fix it, and they find, if you Google it, you'll find lots of tools out there that claim to fix it, and you pay them money, and then they don't. So it's a very limited subset of of cases where ransomware can be fixed. Either pay the bad guy and cross your fingers that the bad guy's not really a bad guy and will give you your key, or you do the right thing in the first place and you make sure you don't get it, or that you have good backups if you do get it. And that's really up to the IT department. And if they're not, if you're not, if you're in IT and you're not doing that, you better get going because guess what? This isn't the end of it. Bruce Schneier, uh, who is one of my favorite uh, security guys, he runs the Schneier blog, Bruce used to work at the Washington Post, Ran went off on his own, has an article in this uh, this week's Atlantic about what do we know about, you know, this these exploits. How do they leak out? Turns out, We don't really know, NSA probably knows, in fact, almost certainly would know where these came from and how they were, you know, escaped NSA custody in effect. But we know that it was a group called the Shadow Brokers that put it out on the internet. And the Shadow Brokers, we talked about this at the time, at first said, pay us millions and we won't release these. Nobody paid up, so they released them. And now they're calling. They say we'd like we've got more, lots more, and we're going to do a dump of the month club (laughs) and dump this data on the internet every month. And the reason I mention this is because get ready, this is going to be a pretty nasty summer if that if that's the case, and we have no reason to believe it's not the case that they have a lot more data, a lot more. We call these exploits. Bugs in operating systems or software used on the Internet that can be used against you. And in in the case of of WannaCry, you know, uh, it could be if you hadn't updated your computer and a lot of businesses don't update right away. If you hadn't updated your computer, you could just get it without doing anything. You know, it was not it was the lack of protecting yourself that made you uh, vulnerable. And the chances are there's still other things out there that Microsoft doesn't know about that the NSA found and that the shadow brokers who apparently just are chaos, you know into chaos are going to release so get ready we haven't heard the last of it and if you're in, you know if you have data and it, you know train your we did this i had a meeting a staff all hands meeting of my little company it's about 20 people, <laughs> it wasn't a lot of people, in which I just reminded them of the of the kinds of hygiene they should practice. You know, we protect our network. We have lots of stuff on our network to protect it. But if, you know, they have their own personal laptops they bring to work, if they uh, bring it home, get infected and bring it back in, doesn't matter what we do to protect our borders in the company, they're bringing it into the company. So I reminded them about the risks of uh, you know, e- email attachments. I said, they're going to come not from a stranger. They're going to come from uh, me. You know, they're going to come from your boss. And it's going to say, urgent, open this and fix it or something. And you're going to go, whoa, the boss, whoa. So don't believe it. I want you to hear, I told my staff, I want you to hear my voice in the back of your head saying, uh-uh-uh. Whoa. If you get a, uh, you know, document share from somebody, somebody you know. Ask them, call them, text them, say, did you send me something before you accept? We've seen that being used as an exploit not so long ago, about three or four weeks ago. And then, of course, if you have a home computer you bring into work, you better darn well keep that up to date. We keep the computers here up to date and protect them in a variety of ways. For instance, we lock them down. You can't install software, which generally means we're not vulnerable. Although I think our printer was (laughs) we have a network printer that might have been vulnerable. Uh, but I have a, we have a great IT guy who's, who's locking it down. And then finally, we have backups. And this is so important because if you do get bit by ransomware and you get that notice, you can unplug that computer from the Internet, immediately disconnect it from the network, wipe the drive, safe in the knowledge you have a backup of your data, rebuild the system. You probably have a backup image too, right? I hope. So that won't take too long. And then restore your data and you're good to go. Make sure you do all this. Now's the time to prepare because we have not seen the end of this, I don't think. Bad news. All right, let's go to the phones. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, your call's next. The Tech guy, 8888. Ask Leo. That's the phone number. Ask uh, Leo something. <laughs> or ask Kim Schaff or something because she's the one who's answering the phone number. Hi Kim. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. <laughs> We're all in our places with bright shiny faces. Absolutely. Yes.
1: On this three day weekend.
3: It, yeah. Happy. Uh, happy Memorial I don't know day. if it's appropriate to say happy Memorial Day. Yeah. Is it because you're kind of remember it's a day to remember people who uh, the men and women who have given their lives in the service of our country. So. It's not exactly a happy occasion, although right. it seems to be a good occasion for barbecues. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so so anyway, but let's uh, – you know what? Let's take a second to remember uh, uh, those people. And I know many of you have uh, loved ones.
4: Absolutely. Who,
3: uh, who you lost in the, in the wars. So uh, thank, thank
4: you.
3: Thank you for, for your service. Yeah, thank you for giving your all. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, people have been calling like crazy. Yeah. And you've been answering like crazy.
5: Seems like always – Always a problem. Always Full board. Problem. Full board. board. Look at that. Full yes. Board on this Sunday.
3: <laughs> wow. Even though people could be watching, what is it? Is the Indianapolis five hundred? It is today? going
5: on right now. They yeah. could be
3: watching. Actually, there's not much to watch. Just a bunch of guys turning left.
5: <laughs> right. For and
3: a long time.
5: Unless you're at the Speedway here. Left. Close. Left. That's, left. It's not just a loop. It's. It's, it's a, a figure loop. eight or yeah. something. No. It's, it's, been, it's, it's a. It's got hills. It's. Yeah. It's probably the. Best
3: I've trend, been to right? the Indy five hundred actually. Yeah. That was fun. My publisher used to be in Indianapolis for my books, and that's – uh, so I'd go out there. and I'd time, it, I'd time it for the end of May. I don't know. Just coincidentally, here I am, the end of May. You got anything to do around here? So who should I talk to? Who help. should I start with?
5: Jane in Manhattan Beach needs a new laptop, and uh, either you can give her a recommendation or wants to know if there's a site that will help her. Okay.
3: Okay. Hi, yeah. Jane. Thank you, Kim. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Thank you very much for taking my call. Of course. That's what I'm here for. You It would be a long day if I just sat here talking the whole time.
1: It would be a long day without you
3: on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> oh, Sundays. you're so
0: kind. Thank you.
1: Um, I have a list of specs
0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, gaming uh, capabilities.
1: I know I can go to Asus, Dell, etc. cetera, sites, um, Costco, et cetera, to locate the specs that they have. But I'm wondering, is there a site that I can use to input my wants? And well, Wouldn't that
3: be cool? Like you just say, this is what I need. Yeah. I don't, I don't know of anything. I mean, there are a lot of review sites out there, depending on how hardcore you want to get. I like Anand Tech is a great review site, but they don't tend to review whole machines, but they'll review things like graphics cards, which is important for gaming. Uh, my friends at PC Perspective do the same, pcper.com. And then for uh, more normal people, the consumer reports of gadgets is a New York Times site that I love. It was started by an old friend, Brian Lamb. It's called the wire cutter. And when they first started it, their theory was you don't want to see 12 different laptops with scores and, you know, kind of equivocating recommendations. You want just the best. So you can go there and say, what's the best gaming laptop? But let me help you a little bit. Do you mind? Go ahead. I'll be your, I'll be your website. Let me ask a couple of questions. First of all, when you say gaming, what do you mean?
1: Um, I'm going to be using it for um, biofeedback um, software. And it'll be crunching a lot of information.
3: Biofeedback. Are you going to be wearing something on your head?
1: Um, yes, that can happen.
3: Okay, and so that's not really gaming, right? Gaming. Gaming is a very specific kind of a term and and really it isn't because there's all kinds of gaming i mean a lot of people call up and say well i want to play uh, all you know poker online that's gaming but it's not challenging right when we say when i think of a gaming laptop i think of a gaming laptop as something that can push a lot of voxels they call them uh can has a graphics card capable of rendering high quality high frame rate imagery in real time and that's a very specific challenge and that com- almost always comes down to the graphics processing unit or gpu this has I, a lot of graphics it, well but graphics like like graphs right grass does it have if you're doing it do do you see are you running through a forest no <laughs> with realistic hyper realistic trees no so again this this is a it's kind of a technical issue um, if you're if for instance, you're wearing a biofeedback unit and you're seeing graphs across the screen of your alpha, beta and waves and things like that, mm-hmm. that isn't really done by the GPU. The CPU, the central processing unit, the Intel chip, the I5 or I7, is more than fast enough to keep up with our sluggish brain waves. That's an easy thing to graph. That is not challenging at all compared to the idea of drawing a forest, a jungle, In real time, you know, when you're playing a video game, you know, Call of Duty or something like that, it doesn't know what's around the corner. It has to calculate it and draw it in, you know, and do it 60 times a second at a high resolution. That's extraordinarily challenging. That's not probably what's happening, unless you're seeing, you know, ocean waves based on your brain waves.
1: Um, I'm seeing pictures uh, of the uh, person's, response to waves
3: yeah that, that's not believe it or not i know it sounds hard that's not okay. hard okay so you any any good laptop computer will do just fine okay um I, so the other decisions of course the big choice the big issue is price point uh 12 to
1: 1300
3: oh you're in great shape Okay. So uh, n- next, you have to decide you're going to run Windows. I presume is that your software on Windows? Yeah. Yeah. So yes. you're going to you're going to be getting a Windows 10 laptop. That's fine. Actually, I have I just bought a Windows 10 laptop, a, a very nice Lenovo that I'm very happy with. Um, Windows
1: 10 Professional yep, on
3: it. Yeah. Almost all of them will offer Professional. In fact, I think there's there's some thought that maybe Microsoft's going to phase Home out. That they're going to use this Windows 10 S as the low end, and then have only windows professional so yeah windows pro that there are a couple i really like that you should look at the dell xps how big a screen do you need Do you need a bigger screen
1: uh no i prefer 15 or less good or even thir-
3: good 14. and you know that when you're sitting in your office doing the biofeedback you can always connect a large monitor all laptops now have that capability yes so the portability may be more important to you yes. so yeah i would say the dell xps 13 it's a 13 inch but what's nice is there's very little frame we call it a bezel around the screen so this the laptop itself is extremely compact the screen is almost the entire lid gorgeous gorgeous touch screen and i think you want touch if you're going to get windows 10 um, no, it's it's tolerable. I don't really need it. you would be surprised. Okay. <laughs> I would also, of course, look at the Microsoft laptops, the Surface laptops. They have uh, several now. There's a Surface Book. Don't recommend it. There's the Surface Pro, which I do. It's kind of a tablet, but it has an attachable keyboard. And they just released the Surface Laptop. And those are all in your price point as well. Hang on, I'll talk a little more about laptops when we come back. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. Support, the tech guy. I bad, bad. I spend a little more time with Jane talking about laptops. There's a lot of, uh, it's, it's confusing. With, you know, on the one hand, Apple's simple, right? You know, that in it, they only have a few different kinds of laptops and then only within those a few customization options. But as soon as you go to Windows PCs, there are hundreds of manufacturers offering Almost as many possible configurations. There's two-in-ones. There's Ultrabooks. There's the new detachable keyboard or detachable screens. They call these convertibles. There's all. It's crazy. And then you have to decide which Intel processor you want. AMD, maybe. Do you want a Ryzen, the new AMD processor? I still stick with Intel. Do you want an i3, an i5, an i7? Do you want dual-core, quad-core? It's it crazy. So what I told her is, for what you described, i5 is almost certainly enough. The i7s aren't much faster. 16 gigs of RAM, that makes more difference in speed than almost uh, the processor. People think the processors, well, how many gigahertz processor speed? That's what I care about. No, because the computer's a system. And so you care about the processor speed, yes, graphics speed, yes, but also amount of RAM makes a big difference. 16 gigs is a sweet spot, in my opinion, unless you're doing something that you know takes more. I think most people, even, even if you're just browsing, Eight's a little skinny. 16 would be just right. That's the RAM. That's the high-speed memory that goes away if you turn the machine off. Programs run in that. Your data runs in that. And then storage, your hard drive, nowadays, the biggest speed difference you'll see comes from a solid-state drive or SSD. Those are drives that are, you know, kind of like the memory you put in your camera, solid-state memory. And they are orders of magnitude faster than spinning drives. Plus, use less power, and they don't spin there's no moving parts, which often means they're more reliable. <laughs> in the old days, I can remember picking up a computer after shutting it down and the hard drive was still spinning. And it would be like a gyroscope. You, It'd you, fight you if, you if you kind of moved it around. That is not good because that means you're also torquing the drive inside. So not having a spinning drive can really make a difference in terms of uh, speed and reliability. But to to answer uh, her specific question, Jane's specific question, I don't know of. Maybe you do a site where you go. Well, this is what I need to do. What do you recommend? Partly because there's so many things people need to do. Biofeedback would that be one of the choices on a site like that? I don't know. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo your feedback, bio or otherwise. Always welcome. Let's go to uh, David in Simi Valley. He's next. Hi, David. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
2: Yeah. Hey, Leo. uh, I'm a longtime listener. I like your website. And, uh, you know, uh, um, I wanted to know some some stuff about a VPN and some stuff about uh,
6: the uh, iPad. Okay. Uh, I wanted, to, uh, for, like, VPNs for a tablet
3: um, or, you know. Nowadays, the good news about a, a VPN is a virtual private network. And- Maybe people first started using these at work because it was a way to log into your network at work from an outside computer and not compromise it, not be, not yeah. be a security risk. And in those days, I remember them very well, 10, 15 years ago, you had to have special software on your computer to use a VPN. Not yeah. really anymore. Uh, you can use a VPN with anything, a tablet, almost anything. Um, so that's the good news. The way it will generally work is you'll buy a service from a company like TunnelBear or Hotspot VPN or there's dozens hundreds of them and you'll log into that and and then you'll be surfing through that from then on you might have to change your proxy settings at at that most so that's very easy what kind of tablet are you talking about
2: i have old school like tab 2 uh the
3: galaxy yeah okay so um, i think that you can totally do that uh, i use Hotspot VPN but a lot of people i know like TunnelBear TunnelBear, like many of these, has like a free tier that's cheap. If you're only going to use this once in a while, that might be a good idea. But, I mean, it's really only 200 megabytes, something like that. But that's a good one to look at. Um, I don't have any specific VPN recommendations because, as I've mentioned before, what I do is I I use Hotspot VPN with some little hardware device. It's a USB uh, dongle that I plug in. This requires no software at all, no change to your computer at all. It becomes a Wi-Fi access point. You have to set it up and have it join the you know the coffee shop Wi-Fi. That's easy to do. You do that in a browser, and then you surf through it, and it surfs through a VPN. So it's really nice. It protects you against anybody in the coffee shop who might be snooping on you. Protects you against any traffic, you know, internet traffic from an internet service provider that you know might be watching what you do. As long as you trust the VPN, remember that. As soon as the VPN now becomes in effect, your internet service provider, you're surfing to them. And then entering the, the world. So you always want to, if, if privacy is your concern or security, you always want to use a VPN that protects your privacy and security. Uh, so that's that's one thing to be aware of. This little device also uh, will turn on Tor, which is an anono- anonymizing service. So you can be completely anonymous as well. And it's inexpensive. Uh, it's from tinyhardwarefirewall.com. I've mentioned it before, but I, I kind of like that. So. Uh, what uh, what was the second question you wanted a VPN with your Tab two and what so, else? Okay,
2: so you're talking tunnel Bear and then you were
7: talking about USB. T- uh, what, what was that called?
3: Uh, this is from the tiny. This is called the Tiny Hardware Firewall at tinyhardwarefirewall and you buy a year's subscription, which is ninety one bucks to Hotspot VPN. They're out of DC. Their Wi Fi Consulting's the name of the company, and then you have to buy the device, but the device is cheap, it's like $20, 30 bucks. Uh, and about iPads. Uh, We'll work with anything because uh, you don't, you have to power it, but you could plug this into, you know, a battery, a little battery pack. You just plug it in because it's USB and it is a Wi-Fi X. I want to know
0: when the iPad's coming out. Oh, Wendy, no one knows. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
8: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: That Apple knows that. They haven't told me. There was a rumor <laughs> that they were going to announce a 10.5-inch screen on the original 9.7-inch iPad, you know, by doing what everybody else is doing, eliminating the bezel, the frame. So the iPad wouldn't get bigger, but the screen would. We thought that would come out in March. No. Uh, so I don't know what is going on, whether the rumors were wrong. Apple doesn't pre-announce. So anything you hear is a rumor, sometimes accurate, sometimes not. The next Apple event is in about a week. It's a week from Monday, June 5th. It's their Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC. So a week from Monday. I wouldn't buy an- Let's put it this way. Don't buy anything, Apple. Well, you can buy an iPhone. I think you're safe on that. But don't buy a laptop. That's the strongest rumor, that they'll announce a laptop a week from Monday. And don't buy an iPad until you hear what Apple announces a week from Monday. Will they announce an iPad? Highly unlikely. Will they announce laptops? Pretty likely. Will they announce desktops? Possibly. Will they announce an iPhone? Highly, 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 highly unlikely. iPhones are September. iPads traditionally October. But they didn't really announce anything new in October. So we've been, been, you know, kind of holding our breath. You can't tell it what Apple's going to do, I'll be honest. It's uh, it's, it's like uh, Michelangelo. When the Pope asked him when the Sistine ceiling would be done, he said, It'll be done when it's done. Don't bother me. I'm painting. If you ask Apple, when's the next iPad coming out? It's done when it's done. Just be patient. It will come out when it's ready. I like the idea, though, of a 10.5 inch iPad Pro. That would be, to me, the sweet spot. They did announce, you know, they, they did announce a new iPad, but it was just. Uh, Kind of like a cheap old iPad, basically. The iPad 2 equivalent for $329. So if you really need an iPad now, wait a week. Wait till June 5th. If they don't announce one then, you probably won't hear anything for a while. Go ahead and buy one. Actually, you could go buy one this week because Apple's pretty good about if they announce something within two weeks after your purchase saying, Oh, yeah, you can have the new one and just trading it in. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888. Ask Leo the phone number. Let's get back to the phones here. And uh, Rich is next from Orange County. Hello, Rich. Hi, Leo. Uh, first, I'd like to thank you for your
9: service and hope you have a good, happy Memorial Weekend. Thank you.
3: I'm not a veteran, so I don't get, to, and I did not give my all for my country, <laughs> so I don't get any oh, credit. Really. But I do thank all of the, you know, I have a friend who's a an ex military, and he said, you know, you're not really supposed to say thank you for your service to. That's still Veterans Day. Your s- Memorial Day is for people who gave their lives in service to the country. But let's oh, thank okay. everybody. Let's thank them all. Anybody them who all. served our country, thank you. There you go. <laughs> they all
0: deserve uh, have, thanks.
9: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I have a uh, Dell XPS 27-inch, an all-in-one PC. Nice. Running Windows 10 Pro. It is the most underrated PC, I think,
3: I No, I agree with you. I think fabulous PC. <laughs> yeah.
9: I love I the PC, but the screen, I, I'm not really into the touchscreen as my business doesn't allow me to do it on a live streamer. Ah. So I'm trying trying to disable the screen permanently. And uh, disable
3: the try- touch, you mean?
9: Yeah, the touch screen, because I prefer to have the tactile feel of the keyboard. So I've tried through device-
3: Oh 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 you're saying when you use it the, the on screen keyboard pops up.
9: Yeah the on oh. no the the touching the screen, moving my fingers around on the screen moves things.
3: Oh But, but are you want, to- you want to touch the screen but you don't want it to do anything.
9: Yeah, I don't want it to do anything. Just be a regular screen without the touch. So I've tried through Device Manager and I turn it off, but every time I reboot the computer, the Device Manager still says off. But
3: the touch yeah, no, it, back plug, on. it plugs it, plug and plays it, and says, "Oh, let's install that driver."
9: <laughs> I think it's a Windows thing because I even oh, it definitely group, is. Group, yeah, Group Policy, and nothing happens. Can't seem to touch, I turn it off. I don't know what to do.
3: Okay, instead of deleting the uh, the driver for the HID touchscreen, HID is Human Input Device. Dis- right. Disable it.
9: Yes, I've done that, and, it, and when I reboot the computer, it says disabled, but the screen is still it's still on. Dang, damn it! So I have to try, I have to uh, enable it and then disable it again for it to what? turn off again. That's crazy. What?
3: <laughs> disable, disable. You're, so you're disabling. Uh, make sure you disable the. A- yeah, it's under the human interface devices. The HID yeah. compliant touchscreen. And well, the one
9: I'm disabling says "compliant touchscreen," and I've even tried disabling all the
3: rest of them. I don't even know what they do, but it just keeps turning itself on. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of other ones. Well, that's nutty. You should be able to disable it permanently. One would think. Um, <laughs> like, why why have a switch there if it doesn't work? Well, yeah, when you disable a, some, a device, it doesn't. It's not supposed to turn itself back on. <laughs> and why would Windows 10 Pro have its own sense of? Wanting to turn it on,
9: or you know, it's something different other than the computer itself.
3: Well, yeah, Windows 10 manages this. I mean, uh, um, right, wow, I'm looking everywhere. I look, they say the same thing disable, 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 and nobody and you, says it re enables.
9: You would think that doing it through group policy would work, yeah, that. It, nothing happens.
3: So, but this is a desktop, why are you touching it?
9: That's so what I'm trying not to, but when I take it around to different locations, you know, in, inevitably people will touch it.
3: By oh, the people way. will. That's the problem. People reach <laughs> out and they me. touch it.
9: <laughs> not me. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, that's the only way I know of to disable the touch screen. There's no, you'd think, actually, this is something Microsoft should put in the control panel because you should be able to right? say, I don't want a touch screen. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think and, it's time for a letter to Microsoft. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very odd. Yeah. Uh, well, what's really odd is that it's turning on, and, and I have to say, I'm looking. I've looked at two different pages, both of which recommend this process. Not neither of which mention. Oh, and by the way, don't reboot. Right. <laughs> um, I would. You know, I wonder. Uh, you don't want to disable the mouse, obviously. Yeah, because
9: then you won't be able to get back in to turn it back on.
3: That's <laughs> yeah, a it's a puzzlement to me. Chat room's yeah. saying something that I disagree with. They say, oh, he's in tablet mode. But they're not paying any oh, un- attention. Un- uninstalling the driver? No, no, and that won't do it because it'll plug and play the driver back in. Yeah, right, right. Um, and, Well, but well, you could I try it. it. I mean, you could try – disabling it's what you want. If you unins- right. if you remove it, it, it what Windows' normal behavior is, just, just say, oh, oh, I need a driver for this new device, and it'll reinstall the driver. Exactly, every time. Well, I guess it's like they say, back to the drawing board <laughs> – Well, I would also look, and this is a good tip from uh, Friendly Manitoba, there may be third-party apps that will do this. He mentions um, uh, Classic Shell, which was designed for Windows 8 users to put it back the way it used to be. And then I've also recommended in the past a a company called uh, Stardock. at stardock.com. They make the object desktop. They have lots of little dinky utilities designed to do things like this, like turn off Windows features.
9: Yeah. Well, you know what? I thank your chat room and I will check into some of those and hopefully one of them will work.
3: I wish you luck. And and if anybody's listening, why is Windows re-enabling something that was disabled? I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why is it doing that? That's not the behavior it's supposed to be doing. No, it's not. Yeah. All I can think of is you have some other device maybe that's saying it needs this driver. I'm wondering if it's, if it's something within Dell because it's. It could be a Dell thing. Yeah. Yeah. Call Dell. I'll do that. Yeah, Dell, Dell, this, I think it's not a, it's got, this is a, you know, just judging from what I've seen, quick scan of the web, uh, this works, yeah. disabling works. So then maybe I'll this is him, a Dell thing.
7: I'll tell them Leo told me to call you.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. They'll go, who? <laughs> anyway, but keep listening, Rich, and, and if we find out something, we'll put it in the show notes too at techguylabs.com. There may be some other thing that we're missing here. Now, our show today brought to you by Carbonite. You heard me talking earlier about how important backup is for remediation of somewhere, it's actually backup. A lot of security experts say backup is your most important line of defense against any malware. Because once a computer is infected, the, the really the best policy is erasing it and starting over. But if you erase it and you're in a business and you erase it and your accounts receivables on it and your customer list is on it and your <laughs> and all your bookkeeping is on it, you don't you erase it, you might regret it. Right? Unless you're using Carbonite, Carbonite online backup the best for business. If you go to Carbonite.com, you'll see there's a home and office plans, Mac and PC. Not all the plans will do versioning. Versioning is what you want to prevent ransomware because what it does is keeps previous versions of your files. So when ransomware comes in and encrypts it, even if, and Carbonite might do this because it's always backing up, even if before your whole system shuts down, Carbonite backs up a file or two encrypted you still can go back to that previous unencrypted version that's why carbonite's so great they have a variety of plans for business for any size small medium and gigantic they even have hardware solutions like their new e-vault that you back up locally and the e-vault backs up to carbonite the whole idea though is your data isn't truly safe unless it's off-site up there in the carbonite cloud then no matter a meteor could hit your building and your data would be safe Carbonite.com. You could try it free right now, but do use my name Leo as the offer code. That way, you'll get two months free with purchase. You got to back it up to get it back. Do it right with Carbonite. Don't forget to use my name Leo. Don and San Clemente's next. Hi, Don, Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
2: Hi, Leo. How are you? Great Doing great, man. Doing great. Welcome. Uh, I'll try to lay out the landscape and then I'll shut up and let you maybe give me some advice here. All right. Uh, so have a, a airport extreme router served faithfully three last three or four years, and uh, but always had trouble getting to the far side of the house and the far side of the property. Not a big house, about two thousand square foot, but a big uh, lot about ten thousand square foot. Yeah, and so was reading about the mesh routers. Yeah, uh, got entranced. Got entranced by Google Wi-Fi. So. Put in Google Wi-Fi as a replacement for the Airport Extreme. Uh, a little bit about the topology. I got four or five Nest cams, a Roku box, a
3: Chrome box. The big issue is how mm-hmm. far away is this remote place? How many feet? Like, are you, you've got your router and base station in the house, and then you're trying to get to an outbuilding? Yeah, to the backyard. Backyard. Okay, backyard. so how far away in the backyard do you want to go? backyard's a thousand square foot that's the problem (laughs) Uh, hang on i'll talk to you off the air but yes the mesh solutions are good but wi-fi from any given points only 150 feet leo laporte the tech guy Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk about computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, smartphones, smartwatches, all that jazz. 88 88 ask Leo, we even talk about weird, geeky things like Wi-Fi routers. I uh, wrapped up the call with our uh, last call of the hour uh, off the air just because I, you know, it was going to get pretty technical. We were talking about Wi-Fi routers. He had a fairly distant you know, big backyard, a fairly distant spot, maybe a hundred feet away from the house. And one of the things to understand about these new mesh routers is they don't extend your Wi-Fi farther than 150 feet. You still have to be within 150 feet of a of, of one of the units. They merely kind of sh- spread the. It's like butter. <laughs> think of it. Think of your house as a piece of toast, and uh, and and your Wi-Fi access is a as a pat of butter. Now I'm getting hungry. So <laughs> your pad of butter, you put your initial pad of butter right where your Wi-Fi is, you know, your cable modem or your DSL modem, right where your Internet is. And then you're going to connect that Wi-Fi router to that. But The problem is as you spread it, the farther you spread it on the toast, it gets thinner and thinner. And there parts, you may get the edge of the toast. It's not going to be, there's not Wi-Fi there because it only goes 150 feet. So what, uh, what these mesh routers uh, do is they put extra pats of butter in your house, and then when you spread it, it covers the whole piece of toast. But the problem is, if you have a piece of toast with the backyard, it's <laughs> you got to put a pat of butter within 150 feet of you wherever you're going to be. So you know you can't you can't go a thousand feet away just because you have the mesh routers in the house. There's just not enough butter. I've really confused you, haven't I? <laughs> I did recommend for him. He was using the Google Wi-Fi. Found it wasn't working, and I, I have to say, my experience with the Google Wi-Fi of all the meshes, and I've tried them all now, is that it. That was the one that I just didn't like that much, and I did refer him to an article on our good site. I keep recommending the Wire Cutter, uh, where they they recommend the Orbi. My experience with the Orbi, it's not exactly the same as an Eero or an Amplify or uh, you know the uh, what is what do they call uh? Oh, they have a funny name for the this one. I want to say the Yodel or something. Anyway, they <laughs> everybody's making these now. Um, the Orbi is from Netgear, and it's really more just like a really powerful router with a with a satellite. So if you put the satellite in the back of the house, closest as close as you could to the backyard. It would get a very good signal from the base unit, probably. Spread it throughout the house and probably get out to your backyard. And And you can. Netgear does sell additional satellite units. So it's a generally, it's sold in a package with the base station and the satellite unit. Works better than an extender. Wi-Fi extender is the old way of doing it. These new uh, mesh systems are better than Wi-Fi extenders. I recommend them. It's kind of like margarine. No, no, I'm not going to go there. That's... <laughs> pushed it too far. Harold, North Carolina. Hi, Harold. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo.
5: I have a couple of issues. Okay. All right. Uh, the first is I've got a, a desktop that I built, and uh, last year I, uh, the hard drive went bad, so I replaced the hard drive with SSD and decided to do a Ubuntu install.
3: Nice. A little Linux. A little Linux on that hard drive. Nice.
5: Yeah, I've been meaning to play around with that, and I say, well, this is right. an opportunity to do it. Are so.
3: you enjoying it? Do you like it?
5: Yeah, I like it. Uh, but as you, I'm sure you know, that uh, uh, Ubuntu uh, comes out, has some binary, I think, in the the code. Yeah, I
3: don't use Ubuntu, and this is a very, you know, here we're talking really slicing it thin. But uh, Ubuntu, because they're a company, in fact, the rumor is, that, uh, more than a rumor, They've Mark Shuttleworth, their CEO, says, we're going to do an, an IPO. We're going to, offer stock. I mean, they're really a business. And they oh, did a few God. things that I thought were kind of ca- contrary to the spirit of Linux. They, for instance, for a while, <laughs> were routing all your searches through Amazon. They yeah. they said they stopped doing that, but they still have an Amazon icon that comes with Ubuntu on your desktop. I don't like It's like Windows. I don't like that. Uh, and then they also had, which they have discontinued, uh, Ubuntu 1.0 store that I thought was a little intrusive. Anyway, it seemed too commercial to me. So I went to the root operating system, the version of Linux that Ubuntu is a flavor of called Debian. Yeah. That's, uh, that is, uh, you know, extremely non commercial. It's a community supported, community developed. There's no company behind Debian. And I've been very happy with Debian. I like it a lot. Ubuntu has an advantage, however. Hmm. because uh, it's it's kind of the Windows of the Linux world. It's it's used most widely. It's easily the number one distribution. And so hmm. its support for hardware is very good. It has support itself. You can call somebody. So there are reasons why Ubuntu is a good choice. And they are even hmm. manufacturers now, including Dell, who make computers that come with Ubuntu. Yeah,
9: I have a System76 76, 76 laptop yeah. as well. So.
3: Yeah. System76, I bought their laptop, loved it. That's an Ubuntu-specific laptop.
5: Yeah, and they have large repositories and all that. Yep. Uh, uh, but, uh, and I was thinking about going to, to Debian. Uh, Anything
3: I, I Ubuntu it. runs on, Debian should run on.
5: Okay, yeah, it's the same base. It's the Just, same. You know, it's very similar, yeah I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. I'll try it with a... Uh, of a uh, uh, a disk. I'm mean, not disk. Yeah. Job. There's another one I like and
3: generally use on my Linux machines. By the way, Linux, for those of you who have decided that this is far too geeky, is a uh, operating system like Windows, like Mac OS. But unlike the two of them, uh, it was, it's op- what we call open source. Anybody can contribute to it. Anybody can look at the source code, write their own version of it. It's freely available and it's usually available without charge and many hundreds of Groups, some businesses, some just community groups have created their own flavors. Of Linux, They put the Linux kernel and then a bunch of GNU software on top of it and other things. And chiefly, the biggest difference usually in between distributions is the uh, way it installs and the way you update software. They all usually all have their own way of doing that. Ubuntu uses apt-get or apt, and so does, uh, by the way, Debian. But the one I like and I use most often is based on the Arch distribution, which is Arch has a very active, some would say rabid community. The 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 saying is uh, if if there's if somebody uses Arch, you'll know within thirty seconds of meeting them. <laughs> they will they will volunteer it pretty quick. Uh, Arch's yeah, Arch's, Arch's Arch's big advantage is it has an amazing wiki. Its community support is remarkable, uh, and it's but it's hardcore Linux users. And yeah. You're, yeah, you're mentioning the one that I like to use, which is an Arch installer. It does all the hard work for you called entergos a n-t-e-r-g-o-s at entergos.com you download that put it on a usb key and i would say that installer is as complete and as easy to use as ubuntu's you you can you can put cinnamon on it if you like the mint flavor you can put (laughs) these are different desktop environments you can put i use gnome gnome 3 you can uh, do uh, all kinds of different desktop environments so uh I, I feel like it's a – and the other thing that's happened in the last few years, Linux support for PC hardware has really taken off. And the kernel now, which is the, the root port of it, supports almost everything out there. It really does a great job. So if you want to play with Linux, one of the things playing with Linux means is you'll probably be reformatting and reinstalling a few times. And maybe even more often than you'd like, but it's usually pretty easy to do. So if you want to play with it, I would say try Entergos, A N T E R G O S dot com. It's kind of a a kinder, gentler Arch Linux. Then you can, then when you meet people, you say, Well, I use Arch, yeah. (laughs) The reason people are so proud of themselves is people who use Arch install it from scratch. They, they, I mean, they may be following a cookbook recipe on the wiki. Most of the time they are. So they may not really know exactly what they're doing. But the theory is if you install Linux from scratch, you understand better how it works and you control better what you're, what you're doing with it. So Arch fanatics, you know, say, well, only, only real Linux users use Arch because we know how to install it from scratch. Uh, I have to say, I really, I really do enjoy it. It's a, it's a, and I did it. I did it from scratch
0: once. <laughs> that was
3: enough. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. All right, let's get less geeky. We'll talk real stuff in just a bit. Leo Laporte. They take on. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888, Ask Leo. Tech drives me crazy. That's our theme song right there. Howard, Tarzana, California. Hi, Howard. Leo Laporte here. Hi, Leo. Hi, Howard. Uh, Really
6: great to talk to you. I'm having a problem. I've been on your website. I've been everywhere. I can't seem to figure out what's going on. I have a laptop, and I want to make a clone of the hard drive a bootable clone. And I've gone and i changed the BIOS. I've used Macrium, I think it's called. I've used Tuxboot and Clonezilla. (laughs) And every time I do all that stuff, when I plug it in and try to boot from it, the laptop message comes up and says, operating system not found.
2: Uh,
3: Yeah, because it's a little tricky making a bootable drive as opposed to cloning the drive. So Mm -hmm. many of these devices clone it, but that doesn't make that secondary drive bootable. It just has an image on there. Uh And so you need to also write a uh, master boot record and all of that, or a UEFI uh, boot record and all of that. So uh, the one I use is the one my friend Steve Gibson, our, our security guru and hard drive wizard, recommends. It's from a company called Terabyte Unlimited. You can try before you buy to make sure it'll do what you want to do. It's $39 for the drive, backup, and restore. But they also have a tool that will make it bootable. Okay. And uh, I think they – I can't remember if they bundle it into the uh, drive image or if uh, – but it says on this – but you can read on the site what it is you need to do to make it a bootable backup as opposed to merely an image backup. You're doing image backups. You could probably okay. manually – so most – like uh, – so it all started with Norton Ghost, right? We, in fact, that we still right. call it ghosting to this day. And all Norton Ghost would okay. do is it would sector by sector read your hard drive and make a big file – on another drive, but that's not bootable. Mm-hmm. That's just a file. You can't just boot to a file. What you really want to do is is duplicate the disk. And um, actually, there are free programs. Almost every disk manufacturer offers disk cloning software. Uh, that will. The problem with that is it uses the entire s- drive of the backup drive because it's essentially going to you're going to run the western digital or seagate or hitachi cloning software the reason they make it and offer it for free is they figure oh you're buying a new hard drive step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm
2: gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family
3: Old hard drive is, so the first thing you do is clone the old hard drive, then swap them. Right. So it'll make a bootable drive. It'll make a drive that is exactly identical. That's different than an image backup. So that would be another way to do it is to go to Western Digital, uh, or a variety of these, and, and it'll make a, um, uh, it'll make a exact clone. Cosmic Rain, no, our I... chat room says he recommends EasyBCD, cause that's free from NeoSmart. I haven't used it, but he likes it. EasyBCD, free from Neosmart, and it will write a master boot record. Now, it will make. Oh, I see. No, I take it back. This isn't an imaging program. This is a uh, kind of a, a boot manager. So it will, I mean, it will. But that, yeah, so that isn't all you need. You, for instance, if you use Norton Ghost, you made an image file, and you used EasyBCD, you you couldn't still couldn't boot that that other drive because the image file doesn't look like a hard drive. It's just a file. So you really want to clone the drive.
6: Yes. Yeah, I want to clone the drive. Anything as, as, the, uh, as the drive I'm using as the, the backup to the clone is a, is a Seagate Free Agent
3: Pro. So I would go to Seagate site and look for Disk Wizard. That's their program. Uh-huh. Disk Wizard is, I believe, a free download, and it will do exactly that. It will clone that Seagate. And I don't, you know... I don't think it checks to see if you're cloning to another Seagate.
6: Okay. Well, I I have used that actually and it still is
3: not bootable. Well, it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know that. They they have a whole section in their knowledge base. How's wrong with it? Creating a bootable media with Disk Wizard, maybe read that more closely and and see what checkboxes you have to check. Uh, maybe you have to buy the full version, but it says I'm reading it. Disk Wizard creating bootable media. That's oh. so that 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 can do it. A Cronus True Image, which is another very popular imaging program, can make a bootable backup. On the Mac side, I've always recommended a wonderful uh, program called SuperDuper, and th- the SuperDuper is really kind of the kind of thing you want on the Windows side. What SuperDuper does, you plug in a USB drive, and SuperDuper runs periodically. Make continue, continually makes it a clone, a bootable clone. So if your internal drive, you got an iMac, you got an internal drive, it dies, you just hold down the uh, option key when you boot, and you boot to the external drive, it's identical. And because SuperDuper's been running this whole time, it's exactly as if you not, nothing ever changed. I don't know if there's something just like that uh, on uh, on Windows side, that's kind of what you'd want. And of course, you got to check, make sure your, your your BIOS will allow booting from an external drive, and that you've got it set to check the external. I'm sure you're doing all of that, right? I did, yeah.
6: That 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 I did. I did read somewhere that somewhere that Windows doesn't let you boot from a USB drive.
3: That's not true. Okay, but it does. Written, like it will. Employees. It will have. Mm, it will have to be UEFI and you may have to turn off secure boot. That's in the, uh, in the setup, you know, the, we used to call it BIOS. Yeah. You, okay. So modern UEFI. windows machines have a secure boot setup that prevents, uh, it's actually a good idea. Uh, it prevents, uh, renegade operating systems, boot from booting to renegade oper- or modified operating systems. But it may be that to boot from a USB drive, you have to disable secure boot. I would think that Disk wizard would tell you all that stuff. What is UEFI? Uh, it is, instead of BIOS, remember the old days? We'd had the basic input-output system that uh, when you booted uh-huh. the drive, it was firmware that was the first thing would load. It would teach the machine, this is a hard drive. Here's how you load it. Well, they don't do BIOS anymore. They do what UEFI stands for. This is completely unhelpful. The Unified Extensible Firmware Interface. Oh, well, that explains Yeah, now you know. Yeah, now but, I got yeah, it. the modern way of booting. And all operating systems nowadays and all hard drives and almost all modern computers require or want UEFI, including Macs. Macs were the first to use EFI. Uh, so UEFI boot is probably a requirement. You can disable that and say what? boot in legacy mode. Most laptops will let you do that. Turn off secure boot, boot from legacy mode, and then it looks like a BIOS. It's acting like a BIOS. And, and would that
6: make it easier to boot from an external drive?
3: Um, well, it could be one of the issues. Now, somebody in the chat room is saying, yeah, Windows won't load from an external drive. That's not true. But yeah, see,
6: you, I, I've read that same thing. Yeah,
3: but I think you probably do have to go to legacy boot before you can boot to USB. You'll see that in the settings. It won't let you choose USB until you turn off secure boot. So I think you have to do a little... Just a little reading Um, number, but chat room's been full of suggestions, and we'll put all of those at our website, TechGuyLabs.com. It's just a little research, some buttons you have to push. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy brought to you by the amazing Epson Fast Photo. Scan as fast as any scanner can scan, up to 1,000 prints at 1% at 300 dpi. Share, organize, scan, and restore with the Epson Fast Photo. It's time once again, as you can tell from the magic music, for Chris Marquardt, our photo guy on the Tech Guy show. Chris is a digital photographer, a talented photographer. A photographic guru hosts the Tips from the Top Floor podcast, leads amazing workshops at discoverthetopfloor.com, and even shoots film and has a great book on film photography. What's the name of that? I have it, but it's not right in front of me right now. It is the Film Photography Handbook. It is beautiful and would be a great gift. This time of year, we're thinking about gifts for graduates, uh, for for dads. If you know somebody who's a photographer who might be kind of toying with the idea of film photography, what a great gift. And I take it, Chris, people can go to discoverthetopfloor.com and- and find that book
8: everything's there everything's yeah,
3: yeah. there chris is actually not with us right now he's just a floating head he's <laughs> but i'm here <laughs> <laughs> through the magic of uh, electronics we've recorded this ahead of time because as as we speak in may uh, chris is in svalbard which is practically the north pole with a on a two-masted schooner with a photo group what fun you must be having I'm i'm jealous
8: it's twenty people, ten cabins, plus some crew, and we'll be circling parts of Svalbard and try to find some interesting wildlife there, which is almost a given. There's a lot of stuff going. Well, there's on reindeer,
3: there. I'm sure, and I know there's polar bears,
8: polar bears, wow. polar fox, um, oh, different,
3: different. I know why you do this, by yeah. the way. You, you why? I mean, you can make a living doing photo, you know, cl- workshops, but you could do that at home. You love traveling, and you love bringing people with you. What a great way to make a living.
8: Well, this is pretty much my dream come true. Yeah. I've worked towards this. Yes. And in hindsight, I, I see how I work towards this. Uh, looking forward, it was not that clear, but it is really wonderful to be able to do that. And I love giving people experiences and taking them with me on these tours and uh, be it in, in, to the North Pole or to Siberia, to Lake Baikal or to Morocco or uh, India or uh, the Himalayas. It's it's. I just love to be out there and to have these experiences and, and to be out there with amazing people. So, you said something uh,
3: interesting, and I think this is true of a lot of people as they look back on their life. It all makes sense at this, on this side,
0: like, yeah.
3: but it was a random walk that got you here, but it was kind of where you wanted to be, but you don't know. When, and I'm, my son is just graduating from college. In fact, just did last week. And, uh, I'm trying to tell him, you know, this you, you you'll see in 20 years, but for right now, it is mystifying and a little bit scary and and seemingly a little bit random, but uh if you continue to follow your your dream and your passion, I, I think, think it comes out all right. I think what
8: yeah, I think what counts is do what feels right yep. and yep. trust trust your gut. I think that's really what, what it comes down to.
3: He is by the way an aspiring photographer. Don't don't tell him, Good. but I'm giving him a, uh, Gitzo tripod for graduation. Oh, he already, I already gave him a really nice Sony A7 camera. So now he has a, and I gave him one of those Rode stereo microphones for.
8: You're can, spoiling. Yeah. Him. yeah he's going to, he's going to become a vlogger, right? He, that's one of the things he wants to do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He of wants course. to, <laughs> wants to do YouTube videos or do uh, social videos and he wants New to do Casey about, Neistat. about, yeah, exactly. And he <laughs> wants to do it about cooking. He loves to cook.
8: Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, you know, make sure he listens to you
3: every week. What do you got for us this week?
8: Well, I just have three very simple well, let's see how simple they are. Three thoughts about image composition. Because that's one of the things for those of us who are more technically inclined, we know our cameras inside out um, from a technical side. But of course, there are things that yeah, some some, some people who, especially on the technical side, kind of lack, and that's image composition.
3: Yeah. And that's, there are some super, super simple things. That's the
8: key. It, it is, it is. What 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 do you place where in the frame and why do you do it? And as as, as soon as you Think about these things. Um, your photographer will become better. So just thinking about what is it I want to have in the frame. I mean that's that's the first thing. Make make sure people who look at the picture know what the picture is about. What who's in charge? Who's the who's the let's see the let's say the hero in the picture, the the main actor so to speak. So yeah, there, there are several ways to do that, of course. Don't include stuff that really doesn't help. I <laughs> include what's necessary in the frame. Move around, around the thing you want to photograph. Take other things out and especially in the background. That's always difficult. Um, if there are too many things in the background that interfere with what you're shooting, um, there might be distractions. Like you have a big red sign in the background that doesn't really help the picture. And then, um, whichever is important in the picture is going to be less important all of a sudden because there's competition in the frame now. And, um, the same, of course, is true with the size of things. If you, if you want to make sure that the viewer sees that one thing as the important thing in the picture make sure it's big enough in the picture i mean that's very simple but often we don't really uh, see that when we take the picture and then later on we'll have to crop a lot of stuff off to make sure that that thing gets a, the the attention that it deserves so just getting a bit closer is a, almost uh almost a safe way to make sure that your compositions go get better just get a bit closer or move around and see what's going on in the background keep is an it, eye on that background is
3: it lazy to say well i can crop it later
8: well, if you have as many pixels as you like, sure, why not? But I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm cheap. I want, I want all, I would use all the pixels in my photo. <laughs> I, want I want to make use of that. I, I paid for them, so I'll use them, you know? Yeah, you do reduce the resolution inevitably when you crop it. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you do. And I mean, if you have 50 megapixels, hey, sure, knock yourself out. But you, you know, the, the, the lens also, if you take it away, if you take stuff away, you will have less resolution. I mean, that's, yeah. that's clear. Yep. So, yep. um, I'll, I'll try, and I pride myself that, uh, Probably 80, 90% of my photos are that's the way I shot them. I don't really crop much. And, and the last thing is give the subject space, whatever is important in the photo. Um I often see things that are like squeezed into the corner of a picture and they don't really have space towards the edges of the frame or towards other things. I mean, it's of course inevitable that you have stuff in the background, but if you look at that on like a two dimensional plane, which is what you do when you look through the camera and these things kind of touch each other always makes me go. i want to push things around in the frame a bit to give them a bit more space to breathe. So the subject for me either i cut it off really well so that it's clear that it's intentional or i give it some space towards the frame towards the edges of the frame and towards other things in the frame. So it it kind of has space to breathe and space to to sit in well in the picture. I like that. So that's the three things be clear what the subject is about, only include what's necessary and give your subject a bit of space. You, you, so my problem is uh, a lot of times things are happening so fast I don't <laughs> I don't feel like I well, that's time where, to that's think what about practice it. comes in that's oh, what okay. practice comes in, you know? <laughs> right. If you if you practice, you All know, that. you know what I practice every day? Every day, even if it's just boring stuff around here, I make a point to shoot at least a few shots every day of something. Some sometimes just on my desk, sometimes just around the house, sometimes in the garden, but I make a point of doing that every single day and it's just yeah, practice. It's moving my fingers. It's getting, getting that photography to my muscle memory. So when lots of things are happening, I can quickly take that photo because I don't really have to start thinking about how do I set this up and where in the menu do I find st- such and such. Yeah, well, that's what I
3: have to do because uh, I'm going on that trip and <laughs> I better get used to how to use that camera. That's Chris Marquardt, our photo guy. You can follow him at uh, discoverthetopfloor.com. And he's in Svalbard right now, but he'll be doing many more photo expeditions. So check his website out. Our photo segment brought to you by the world's fastest photo scanner, the Epson fast photo preserve what's priceless with the Epson fast photo fast oh and easy scan thousands of photos as fast as one per second at 300 dpi restore save organize and share your collection with the Epson fast photo scanner leo laporte the tech guy more of your calls right after this how are you
7: i am fantastic good what can i do for you and uh i'm going to be taking a cruise next week and um I want to know how vital is it my my wife and I will be using iPads and, and an iPhone. Our Each of us have iPhones. My son's going to have his iPhone, and we bought the the package. We're going to be on the Harmony of the Seas.
3: Oh, and yeah, that has a very nice high-speed uh, connection. That, yes. that RCL VOOM connection is the fastest exactly. I've ever used on any cruise ship ever. It's amazing.
7: So we, we want to know, I mean, is it vital that we use a VPN with these devices? We won't be using any type of laptops, no type of... Um, you know, well, it's the
3: same issue uh, either way. I mean, uh, I you know, I would say, but uh, I'll tell you what the risks are. And it doesn't, okay. it's, it's, you're right, on an iPad, it's not nearly as risky as on a general purpose Mac or Windows PC. Uh, this isn't going to happen, by the way. Uh, I'm sure that given the high-tech nature of these ships and of its Internet, I'm sure they're doing the right thing to protect you as best as possible. So some of it is the same thing your Internet service provider can do. They could see where you're going. But the good news is nowadays, if you're using Facebook or Google, even Google searches or Gmail, all of that's encrypted. Your ISP can't see it. Royal Caribbean can't see it because it's encrypted to the provider. And that's really how everything should be. Google themselves have been kind of pushing for this. They call it HTTPS everywhere. They believe every site should be secure. And that means an Internet service provider would only see that you're going to that site. They wouldn't see your searches, for instance. By the way, your searches are very valuable. They're, a, they're from a privacy point of view, tell more about you than a, even maybe your email. Uh, and you can it doesn't take much to figure out why. If you started searching for a disease, for instance, the presumption is maybe you or someone in your family has contracted that illness. And, and yeah. those things would be valuable to advertisers, uh, insurers, and others. That you don't have to worry about if you're using Google for search. Uh, and anytime you see HTTPS colon slash slash, that S means secure, means that nobody can see it on the boat. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. And I think most of what you'll do would be like that. There is another risk, slight, but another risk. If you uh, And, you know, the boat's big. There's 5,000 passengers on there. Maybe one of them has a little, uh, you know, mean streak or bad streak. And he happens to own something called a Wi-Fi pineapple. These are widely available, easy to buy, not very expensive. He can now start to sniff around on the network. You're on the same network as he is. See your device and start interacting with this. Uh, An example I've given in the past is uh, an accomplished hacker can use a tool like a Pineapple or Wireshark or Nmap and figure out what, for instance, your home Wi-Fi access point's name is. He could then spoof it and your iPad is going to be look will look at the Royal Caribbean Voom and say, "Oh, that's pretty good." Boom! And there's a really strong signal from the house, and it will join it, won't it? And because that's what it does. And at that point, you ha- the guy has a little bit better access to you. Now, if that were a Windows machine or a Mac, I'd worry. On an iPad, I wouldn't worry. So, okay. I did bring when we were, you know, we went on the Anthem of the Seas about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I did bring one of these tiny hardware firewalls, and I set it up. And I was the only one using it. I couldn't get my family to use it.
7: <laughs> so we have software VPN on on our um yeah I, on my iPhone and on our iPad. But I just didn't know whether I would whether I know these things can happen. It's pretty theoretical. The true proba- it's pretty theoretical. I
3: you know if if for instance you just first of all iPad's much more secure than a general purpose operating system. Second, you know make sure just check every once in a while. Am I still on Voom? Uh, or am I, on, yes. am I on free internet? <laughs> don't don't join do the you free.
7: I would need to, do you think I would need to um, make my iPad and iPhone forget my home?
3: You know that network? that actually, if you don't mind re-entering those passwords when you get home, yes. that is not a bad idea.
7: That that's what I think we'll do. We'll just forget it, and you should see my my home password is it's ridiculous. Good, good man, so, good man. So thank you so much for your help, and um, I listened to you. I've been with you since. The uh, Tech TV Day. Thank you. And uh, I will be coming to visit you uh, sometime soon, next time we go to that. Right, great, Charles. I will plan to come on Right? Up. Are
3: you thank doing you a Caribbean sure. uh, cruise on the yes, Harmony? We're Labadee, Haiti. We're going Lovely. to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then to St. Martin. Love San Juan. Mm-hmm. I love St. Martin. Oh, you're going to have a great yeah. time. And those ships are an uh, amusement park in and of themselves. They're just amazing. I can't wait. Have a great time. can't wait. My one thank tip, you, if you can, at, yeah. at one point... You know, as many times as you can go to the paid restaurants because they have some wonderful food in the paid restaurants, but you do have to pay a little.
7: i three, got three reservations set up. We're going to nice. go to uh, Chops and then two two others. That I love Chops. Love Chops. Yeah. yeah.
3: Have a great time. Thank you, sir. All Thank right. Take care. care. Bye-bye. Yeah, this is uh, it's a challenge for me because I I don't want to make you paranoid. <laughs> I really don't. And, uh, and it's easy if you read articles. There's a really great article. We'll put a link in the show notes written by a Dutch newspaper about what a bad guy can do if you and he are both on the same open Wi-Fi access point. And it really scared the jeebers out of me. It was, wow. I had no idea. And nevertheless, it's not, uh, it's probably just more malicious and little petty annoyances than anything else. And it's unlikely. The problem with using a VPN is it slows you down appreciably. Uh, And if you're on, if you're on the internet at sea, it's already pretty slow. Now, the good news about Royal Caribbean and Voom, it's as fast as your home internet. It's also pricey. You can pay a lot for it. But boy, it's as fast as your home internet. And that's really amazing. You're sitting out in a boat in the middle of the Caribbean and you're surfing the internet, not the waves. Or maybe both. So I do think that uh, I'm not paranoid. So I, while I bring these with me, and I certainly will bring this as we travel around South America, I'm not. I'm not as paranoid as some. But I do want you to uh, make the decision yourself and be aware of what the risks are. If you want to read that article, um I, if you want to read that article, I'll put it at the website. This is where we put all that stuff, techguylabs.com. And I'll just I'll have to find the link, but I'll put it we'll put it up there. James will put it up there in a little bit. Jocelyn Elizabeth, New Jersey. Hey Jocelyn, Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Hey, Jocelyn. That's okay. I was. You no, know, we keep you on hold for an hour. You wander off. I don't blame you at all. It's fine with me. What can I? What can I do for you?
9: I have a sort
4: of weird question. I am trying to move from where I live now, and the housing stock in Elizabeth is kind of old. Yeah. So there's a lot of plaster and lath and stuff. Yeah. So is, as I am looking for a new
3: place to live. Is there a way for me to figure out how strong the Wi-Fi would be there inside the house? Yes, that's an interesting question. But so, it's it's uh, very important to have internet. You could do it. Yeah, it is. I mean, believe me. I don't. I don't move anywhere. <laughs> I don't have high-speed internet. So the first thing I always do is check the reviews of internet in that neighborhood, in that area. And DSL Reports has a great. A uh, bunch of reviews, DSLReports.com, but that doesn't tell you how the the Wi-Fi will work inside. And you're right; sometimes plath and la- pl- plaster and lath walls uh, will lath and plaster will will not transmit very well. They may even have horsehair in them. And the worst thing, of course, is metal. And so uh, any any construction that has metal in the walls is really going to be death to Wi-Fi. The only yeah. way I can I can I can actually think about I can think you could do this is going over with the realtor and saying, I'm going to plug in my Wi-Fi access point now. Now, you don't need to have it connected to the Internet. Okay, just plug it in. And then you need on your phone, and this doesn't work with iOS, it'll only work with Android or a computer, you could do this. You, if you have a computer with Wi-Fi or a phone, an Android phone with Wi-Fi, there are Wi-Fi analyzer programs. And what you'll do is you will launch that program... Standing next to your Wi-Fi router, you'll see it. It'll be loud and strong. You're not, you're not on it for the Internet. You're just seeing how strong the signal is. And then you wander around and you see how far down the signal goes. If it gets below, say, well, you know, it's, I I'd actually, I'm, let me look up some numbers that you'll, you'll want a minimum of. But you'll see as it declines. And if it gets too low or it gets lower than the neighbors, then you're going to have a problem. Then you're going to have a problem. And that's where the mesh Wi-Fi solutions are often the best choice. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, hey, hey. How are you today? Leo Laporte here. The tech guy. Time to talk computers, the internet, home theater, digital photography, virtual reality, augmented reality, anything with a chip in it. 80, not real reality. No, we don't talk about that at all. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Get your Wi-Fi here. 8888-ASK-LEO. Uh, Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. You don't have to write anything down as you're watching the show, to, you know, because we put it all online. Absolutely all you have to do is uh, visit the website techguylabs.com all the links are there there's and it's no sign up it's free and it's uh you can comment which is nice so uh, you can uh, you can make your uh, make your opinions heard you don't have to yell at the radio tech guy I know I hear some of you yelling I know I hear it techguylabs.com back to the phones uh, we go and becky Panama City, Florida. Hi, Becky. Hello, darling. How are you, darling? I'm doing marvelous. How are y'all doing today? Oh, very nice. Very nice. What well, can I do I for you? I have
4: questions for you. Yes, ma'am. Um, my daughter is into photography, I mean, majorly. From the top, she was able to hold a camera. She is and take a picture.
3: That's awesome. How old is she now?
4: She just turned 17 on the second of this month.
3: Perfect. Um. Got great, a, great time to get her really into it. For, do, you, do you think she might want to do it as a profession?
4: Well, she just got hired at Romo Photo. Nice. Doing photography. But Fantastic. she needs a faster camera. She's got a Canon RXP.
3: Very nice camera. Those are little point-and-shoots, though.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLensLots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh.
4: Um, and she's got, like, two lenses for it, but she needs one, like, a little faster for what she's doing. Yeah. And I have no clue what to get, and I got two kids, so it needs to be
3: kind of like a midway price. Oh, aren't you sweet, though? Oh, no, don't tell everybody that. Eh. So <laughs> ruin my reputation. So tell me the model number again. As a Canon RX P. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what that is. Uh, so it has interchangeable lenses, huh? Yes. They make so this is what's puzzling me. They make a series of cameras, the RX100 Mark One, Two, Three, and Four, that are point and shoots. That's what I thought you were talking about. But if no, this
4: is a digital one. It's got like the I'm not tech savvy you, you at all. You take
3: the lens off, you can put a different lens on. Yeah. So Canon has a standard mount, but it is you are going to want to get a lens that matches that camera. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what an RX. Canon RXP or T is in Tom? T
4: is in Tom.
3: RXT. I don't I don't see a model called the RXT. I see hmm. Oh, it's a rebel. Oh I know what it is. It's a yes. Rebel XT. I know what it is. Got it. So that's, that's it. so that sensor in there is an APS C sensor. So you want to get what lenses does she already have? Do you know?
4: She has the one that comes with it automatically and the the next step up.
3: So she has a telephoto that lets her take pictures from a distance? Yes. All right. So and what kind of stuff does she like to take pictures of?
4: Well, she is taking pictures, action pictures like kids playing baseball.
3: Nice. Okay. And then like
4: sliding in the home place. So those that she's using then, that
3: she's using that telephoto for that probably. Yes. Yeah.
4: She is like Does she ever
3: do landscape photography, or does she do oh, portrait photography? She does it all.
4: Yes. She has, I mean, everything from prom photos to senior portraits.
3: I mean, she's done it all so far. And you don't want to ask her what lens she wants next.
4: No, I kind of want it to be a surprise to be a well, I'll tell you, You're doing oh, great. Oh,
3: aren't you? That's so sweet. Well, I'll tell you, now you're going to have to explain why you got this for her, but I'll tell you what I would get for her. And and this is to make her a better photographer. A lot of times we talk about getting what we call a prime lens. That means it's not a zoom. It's a fixed focal length Mm -hmm. because it forces you to really think about the photo. Instead of just zooming in and out, you have to walk closer or walk farther. You really compose it in the camera. Okay. And the prime lens that is the best teacher is a 50 millimeter lens. And the reason everybody likes these is because it's roughly what the eye sees. So if, okay. if you take a photography class, very often you'll be told for the next six months you're using one lens. You're going to use a prime 50 millimeter lens because you're going to learn how to compose pictures. So you can explain to her, this is the lens everybody should start with to learn how to be the best possible photographer. It won't be good for baseball because it's it's too short. It's very good for people pictures, for street photography. Mm-hmm. For, and the one that I'm going to recommend is f- what we call a fast lens. It's good in low light. Okay. And that means she can take more pictures inside. Okay. So I'm guessing I don't know what the kit for the EOS XT is, but I'm guessing it's a zoom probably 24 to 75, something like that.:
4: That sounds about what.:
3: she Yeah, did. that's pretty common for the kit. And then she probably has a, well, oh, I don't know, a 110 or a 150 or yeah. maybe a 200 for the zoom. Uh, a 150. She's got a 150. that's enough. Yeah. So we call uh-huh. this the nifty 50. Okay. <laughs> because it's the one a lot of people should be using to get better. Now, I'm going to get I suggest you and it's $110. Is that within your price?
4: No, I'll make it work.
3: I know it's I expensive, but it's lots less expensive than the many many of the lenses I could recommend.
4: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Last one I got I got it from a pawn shop, so yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, this And it was still this one is uh, f. What they call f is the is the speed of it. One point eight, which means it's pretty fast. It means it'll do really well in low light. Plus, for portraiture, there's something pros do. They use faster lenses. They use wider open apertures mm-hmm. because the background then goes soft focus, and the person is very much in the foreground. And she'll love this for taking pictures of people. Okay. So for her camera for the EOS XT the Canon EF 50 millimeter, 50mm 50mm f1.8 1.8, okay. And actually this lens on her camera is going to really be 80mm, but it's a great it's a portrait lens. It's a it's a lens for taking pictures of people. Okay. And I think that would be Now the other choice if she wants to take more landscape photography is maybe a wider angle lens a, a, a 16 or to 35 zoom or something like that okay that's another choice as well and and if she if she likes taking pictures of buildings of of uh, landscapes Canon makes some very nice, Landscape. uh lenses. She
4: takes pictures of everything. I think the camera stays around her neck, more than the, the phone stays to her ear. Well, if she likes
3: taking pe- people pictures, this fifty one eight is really a great one. Awesome, really Thank a great you one. So much. You're I very well able to surprise her. Oh, I am so proud of her. So she's graduating from high school.
4: Uh, no, she got one more year in high school. So she's a junior. Okay, she's a, yep. a rising
3: senior. And, and she's
4: been doing photography. She's been doing it on the side since she was 12, taking actually going out and taking photo shoots of people. Well, I
3: think 12. she'll like this. But remember, if you buy it from Amazon or your local camera store, she can always trade it in for a different one. Oh, That's, yeah. Yeah. But what uh-huh. this will show you've spent some time thinking about it. And you're saying, I got you a nifty 50 because everybody who wants to be a better photographer has to learn how to shoot with a yeah. nifty 50. Me, I
4: can't take a selfie.
3: <laughs> well, it's good. Somebody's got some talent in the family.
4: And she does. Oh,
3: that's sweet. That's great, Becky. You're a great mom. All right. Thank you, hon. All right. Give her my best. That's great. And if she has any questions about her nifty 50, uh, I think that's a good combination. An Eos Rebel with uh, with that 50, which is effectively 80 millimeters because it's a 1. What is it 1.5 m- multiplier. That's pretty good. Leo Laporte, the tech guy the tech guy 8888 ask leo the phone number back to the phones david in san Burdue. hello david leo laporte the tech guy hey how you doing leo i am well how are you oh Struggling a little bit here. Uh oh. Uh oh. What can I do to help? I got
7: a new laptop. Got an Asus, and I um, basically I do a lot of uh, PowerPoint presentations, but I do them in Corel presentations, and I put video clips in some of the slides. Well, when I went to this new laptop, I get an error message when I try to put a video clip in. That basically says it can't find
3: the compressor. The co- They call them a codec. C-O-D-E-C, compressor, decompressor. Do you know what format those videos were in? Uh, some of them are in AVI. Okay, but inside the AVI, there's some compression format. Mm. I'll tell you what, it's easy to fix. So you've got to install something that will add codecs for whatever weird format that those videos were in. That's the difference, by the way. The new laptop just doesn't come with all those codecs, probably yeah, but- because they're proprietary and you have to pay a license fee for them. When you okay. moved the Corel over, did you fully install it? No,
7: I got an, I got the newer version of Corel. I got the
0: uh, X8. Okay.
3: So that may be the other problem. And maybe the, the Corel has stopped including the older video codecs. But it's easy to install codecs. First thing I would do is go to videolan.org, V-I-D-E-O-L-A-N.org, and install install VLC. Every, every time I get set up a computer, Mac, PC, iPad, Android, I install VLC, which is the Videolan client. It's a video player, and it can play back pretty much every form of video ever made. And in the process of installing VLC, you install all those codecs, and they're available to other programs as well.
0: Okay, so, so this—that's this the is first something thing. Something in Windows.
3: Yeah, well, it's—it's it's a bit of software that you need that can interpret that video. It's not the AVI. AVI is a wrapper around something else. Yeah. And who knows what that original video? Where did you? How did you get the video? Where was it? Where did it is, did oh, it
7: was on a it was on an older video camera that I uh,
3: yeah. So older video camera probably used some weird codec like 3GP or something. But that's it fine. Won't do, that's it won't fine. do it MPEGs either. Yeah, you know this will all get better if you install VLC. Okay. And if VLC doesn't do it, there's one step more that you can go. It's called K Lite. K L I T E. And they make a video codec pack that includes everything under the sun. The only reason I don't say it right off the bat is I do believe, I'm not sure, but I do believe K-Lite includes some proprietary codecs without license. So just to be safe. Anyway, you'll find it at codecguide.com. The K-Lite, K-L-I-T-E, codec pack. Don't install that until you've tried VLC. VLC is legit and good and I like it. Get it from videoland.org. You'll be fine. But if it doesn't, if you still say it still says I can't play it, I don't have the right compressor, then try K Lite. If if you can't play it back with K Lite or VLC, if you've got those both installed and still won't play back, then it's damaged. Because I don't know of a codec that's not included in those two. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, VLC is probably all you'll ever need. Okay, okay, I'll get it to go. Hey, yep. Yeah, I promise you, this is a very common problem. I promise you, this will solve it. The codec is short, as I said, for compressor decompressor. Video has to be compressed. Uncompressed video, your computer couldn't do it. It's just too too dense, too data rich. So we always compress video at least a little, and sometimes a lot. Uh, the most common codecs out there now are the MPEG. 4 and MPEG 2 codecs and H.264. And more recently, you'll see a lot of these in the future, H.265, which supports 4K video. And uh, so those are those are designations for a kind of compression decompression technology. And, you know, Windows comes with a pretty good set, but not everything. Nothing comes with everything. And v- one of the reasons they install uh, those in VLC is the, VL- the whole point of the VLC player is to play anything back. Give me video, I can play it. Jim on the line from Malden, Massachusetts. Hi, Jim. Uh, Mr. Laporte,
2: pleasure.
5: Pleasure talking a, to you.
2: I'm a, a long listener. I love your show. Thank you. I have a quick question for you about the about a, a uh, HD action camera. Aha. Uh-huh. The the, the aka caso yeah. I have never I used wondering.
3: it, but but what you'll note now is the GoPro is struggling. They were the brand, right? But the truth about the GoPro is they didn't do anything that a hundred other clones could do, and some of them do it a lot cheaper. So I haven't used a Queso. The one I use that I recommend that I think is every bit as good as a GoPro is the Yi, Y-I-Cam. Yi is made by a very big Chinese company called Xiaomi Mm -hmm. that that makes phones and cameras. Uh, I think they're very good companies. But I haven't tried the Acaso. I don't know who makes it. Um,
2: now, how is it compared to the price to the uh, GoPro? Because I know the Acaso, Acaso. is really
3: announced. cheap,
2: isn't it? Look at that. Wow. Eight, 83, 83 bucks! bucks.
3: Holy and cow done, on Amazon. And yeah.
2: I've done my homework on it. I've almost pulled the trigger on ordering this thing on well, Amazon. Let me ask
3: the chat room. What, what do you think of Acaso? Anybody use Akaso? Acaso? Quite a few times. I have almost
2: pulled the trigger, but I'm type who likes to do my homework. And yeah, so
3: the Cam that too. I use is a lot more. It's twice that. It's almost 200 bucks. Okay. So um, I think maybe you found something. I don't know. The chat room, anybody, if anybody used a Caso, that is an amazing price. I might have to just get one and tell you to try I've done it. I've
2: the comparison. I've, I've watched a lot of videos. I'm legally blind. Okay. And so, so navigating, I can see a little, and that's why I'm looking at an action camera. I want a wide angle so I don't have to just
3: focus I can't, in on I can't a, believe the price on this.
2: Yeah. Yep. Wow. And, and uh, I've, I've been talking about purchasing a GoPro for a couple of years
3: now. Yeah, I would
2: at this I point, just, and I just haven't done it so long. At this point, money, I don't you know.
3: recommend GoPros anymore because uh, yeah. why spend all that money? You're buying a brand name, not a not the technology. You know the reviews. Exactly. I'm looking at the reviews, five thousand customer reviews on Amazon on these Acaso cameras, and four That's out 20. of four and a half out of five, which is about as good as you can get. get. Uh, this yep. is remarkable. You've turned me on to something new. I'm I'm ordering it right now. Well, I'll, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be waiting to hear, hear your reviews on them uh, I can't on, believe that on your Sunday shows. No, no wonder uh, uh, GoPro is struggling. Their their sales so, have plummeted.
2: So I think you just answered my question. You wouldn't
3: hesitate on ordering that thing. Uh, in now, based on the reviews, and I think Amazon. When you have five thousand reviews on Amazon, you can trust that. Yep, You're you can trust it. that. So. Your only question is which package to get. I mean, it looks like there's a variety of different things. It comes with a, wa- it's waterproof. It comes yep. with a waterproof encasing, which costs a lot, another hundred bucks on most of these other guys. I'd say, let, I'm buying it right now. Leo Laporti, tech guy. Ramblin' man has rambled on. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Eye Show brought to you by the revolutionary new Epson EcoTank printer with cartridge printing and years of ink in the box. Go to Epson.com slash EcoTank to learn more. Epson, exceed your vision. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Got to thank our musical director, Michael Cozio, doing a great job uh, today. Spinning the wax. He's got stacks of wax there in the studio. Are there actually Michael, I haven't been in the studio in a while. There's no are there turntables in there still or do they take those out finally? No cart machines? Nothing. It's all electronic, it's all digital now. You just push a button. Times have changed. I think I can still you know, I started as a DJ forty years ago. I think I can still probably queue up a record in my sleep in about two seconds. <laughs> I should try it. If I could find a turntable, I would. Ron on the line from Culver City, California. Hi, Ron. Leo Laporte.
5: How oh, I, I? yeah. Hi, Leo. Hi, Leo. Hi. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm calling uh, about um, my. I've had a. I have a uh, Yahoo Mail account. That I've had like for ten years time to move on, I think yeah <laughs> exactly I've got a notice from them and uh, a deadline of June seventh they're uh, making
3: you move on,
5: yeah, holy cow uh, and I've never moved on uh, this is the only kind of email account I've had, so I'm I don't know where to go and especially the main thing leo is uh I I, I I don't want to lose, you know, I have uh, 10 years' worth of uh, emails, you know, a couple thousand. Well, start
3: of now because you only have a little time to suck that email up. Here's what I would do. I would get a Google Mail account, very similar to Yahoo Mail. They kind of took one of the reasons Yahoo Mail, I didn't realize it was being shut down, but one of the reasons, if it is, is because Google Mail does such a better job with the same idea. It's web-based still. You can use a browser. You don't have to, though. You can use your mail client on your desktop computer or on your tablet and get your mail, too. Uh, Google Mail has far superior spam protection than Yahoo, so you'll see a lot less spam. Okay. You'll Also, it's much more secure. One of the problems I've had with Yahoo Mail for many years is, frankly, its it's been highly insecure. And I always suspected that, and then we found out that uh, half a billion accounts have been hacked, and Yahoo neglected to tell anybody. Right. Remember that? Yeah, so, yes, I do. Yeah. So uh, proving what I'd always suspected, that, that that something was wrong with Yahoo Mail. So uh, you'll you'll be able to move it. Now, one of the advantages Google Mail is going to have for you is in the settings, and you'll go to the pop and email settings on the uh, Google Mail. So it's free,
5: uh, uh, to, to which one? Say, say it again, please.
3: It's free to, it's free to set this up. Yeah. You probably already have a Google account, but if you don't, you'll be creating one. It's Google Mail at GMAIL.com. Okay. You'll set it up. And one of the things you can do in the settings is say grab all the mail off Yahoo.
5: Okay,
3: good. Get all my Yahoo mail. I want that here. And in fact you can have it continue to do that. So you'll be telling everybody, hey, I got a new email address, but if they forget and send something to the old address until Yahoo shuts that server down, okay. Google okay. Mail will check every you know half hour or so and get it.
5: Oh no, that's wonderful. So it's it's as simple as that. Yep. And uh okay. And um, I'm a, I use
3: Gmail. Everybody, every geek I know uses Gmail. It's become the default email for for the internet.
5: I, I say so. So just tell everybody I know that I've, you know, I I've switched to to Gmail. And yeah,
3: you'll have to do that. There's one other finesse. I don't think you need to do this. I don't think you're going to do it or want to do it. But there's, if somebody who sticks with Yahoo Mail for 10 years is probably not inclined to do a lot of fussing. and But uh, one little finesse that I recommend to anybody who this this happens, you know, you move email providers. It's really annoying to have to change, uh, you know, and tell everybody, hey, I've got a new address. Uh A better way to go is to register a domain name for yourself. Okay. And use that, and all the domain registrars will then forward your mail to any other mail client you want. So, if after a year or two you get tired of Gmail and you want to go to Microsoft's Outlook Mail, you just you don't change your address. Everybody's sending it to whatever Ron at CulverCity dot com, uh-huh. and you just forward it. You say, okay, instead of sending it to Google, send it to Outlook, and no one will know, be the wiser. So you, it's a permanent email address. The only negative of this is it's well, there's two. One is you know it's a little complicated. You got to set it up, and the other is you got to pay usually around ten dollars a year. Okay. to own a domain name, but owning your own domain name is, uh, is, is nice. Eventually you could set up a website. It makes your mail feel more professional. Like, okay. you, you know, so if you wanted to get fancy, if you wanted okay. to get fancy, uh, it wouldn't be, you know, that would be a, a way to do it, but you don't need to do that. You can probably no My other advice is when you do set up your Gmail account, don't use Ron at Gmail or anything too easy and too obvious. Okay. Make it a little bit obscure I know that's a pain for your co- correspondence, but the problem is there's a poor, one poor guy has I think Joe at AOL.com. I and sure. He can't use it anymore because it's just inundated with spam. Because one of the things spammers do is they take a common domain like Gmail.com and then they just do, use all the common names. And you, so you get more spam if you you know if you use do something you know fun like you know Ron the crazy guy at uh, Gmail.com. You'll <laughs> okay. be you'll be a little bit better, and you know you can make it memorable for your correspondence. Oh okay yeah.
5: okay. Yeah. No, Sounds like fun. Jeez. Have fun! Yeah, no see. I, I, I did not think you could. I, I could. You could make me laugh today. I'm really <laughs> stress out about that. Oh
3: yeah! Don't but, uh, be stressed out. You're actually yeah, making yeah. a step up. Gmail is so much better than Oh,
5: Apple. Okay, and and like you said, uh, just once again, but just simply, when I set up the account, just tell them please grab all my thousands of old uh, yeah. Yahoo mail, and they'll do that. This will be a little. Um, this will be a little
3: tricky. You have to go into the Gmail settings, and you have to know the settings for the Yahoo servers. But you can Google search that. You know, Yahoo server settings. Uh, in fact, Gmail has a help page. that says, "Here's how you move from Yahoo." I bet you, if you Googled. Moving from Yahoo to Gmail, you will find a page that will tell you everything you need to
5: know. Okay. Yep, okay. I just found it. it. There's lots of people writing this. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. Like I said, yeah, it, it's just like 10 days from now. That it's, uh, there's now let, headline, me, so, let me uh, ask you this.
3: Are you getting it through an Internet service provider? Is that where you get it? Or you... Uh,
5: yes, yeah, I, uh,
3: through AT&T. Ah. Uh, at Okay, so um, what's happening probably is at at and I don't think Yahoo Mail is going out of business. That makes sense because you know why? yahoo was purchased by verizon at&t does not like that right i see i see okay. so their at&t is severing their tie to yahoo mail i see so i that's, see that's that's so i didn't want to scare people who use yahoo mail on other servers i don't think it's going away
5: oh okay yeah. okay but yeah. in my case I
3: you can... should move anyway i would have told you this 10 yeah. years ago yeah.
5: okay <laughs> I wish I would have called you 10 years ago. Yeah. A, little, a little slow on the draw, but. Uh, well, no problem. So and much. the good
3: news is I don't think Google's going out of business or being sold anytime soon. Yeah. yeah.
5: No, w- wonderful news. Wonderful
3: All right. news. Hey, it's good yeah. to talk to you, Ron. Thanks. Yeah.
5: Uh, great. You take care
3: of it. You Bye. too. See you later. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you could go to a domain registrar. GoDaddy's very well known. I use one called Hover. They're a sponsor, but I also prefer them. H O V E R.com. And uh, you can set up a domain name. I use. I have a variety of them, including leolaporte.com. Uh, For years, I couldn't get Leo Laporte. Somebody else had it, so I used leoville.com. I have a lot of domain names because they're cheap and easy to register, and I kind of go crazy a little bit. Uh, And so pick one that you like, you know, laportfamily.com would be, you know, or yourfamilyname.com, and then uh, register it, and then you can tell Hover or GoDaddy. And now from now on, whenever mail comes here, send it over to uh, Google Mail. That way you'll never change your address again. You can change the forwarding any time. You change providers, but you never have to change the address again. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.